This is First, Last, Best, Worst. The only podcast recorded on a Tascam 4-track cassette tape. We explore the craft of songwriting with our guests as they perform the first, last, best, and worst songs they've ever written. I'm your host, Carl Banks. I'm Taylor Rogers. And I'm Paul Blackwell. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. How's it going? Thanks for tuning in. Taylor, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, trying to think. Uh, I think <laughs> you I should have thought before we started rolling. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I should, yeah. All right, but I wanted to say something yeah, yeah. up front. I wanted to tell everybody on 420, which is like um, for my fellow stoners out there, is a, basically a holiday. And I'm playing at Rockwood Music Hall 420 at midnight. Come. It's going to be a unique show. I'm going to be telling uh, a couple stories about um, doing drugs and things like that. Pretty much the same reason why we have a podcast. But um, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, 420 is the only day out of the year where weed is legal in America. So. <laughs> yeah. Take advantage it's of that. Ac- it's actually encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you were telling me something earlier. Oh yeah, about- speaking speaking of drugs, I took I took some mushrooms uh, yesterday, and I walked across the bridge to Manhattan, and it was great. Um, and uh, I think I saw Yoko Ono. What you saw Yoko Ono? <laughs> I think so yeah. Well, how did you know it was Yoko Ono? I don't. Was it- I saw. Well, okay, so I saw. <laughs> I was hanging out with my friend. <laughs> And we were walking by, and I was like, I think that's Yoko Ono. And then he was like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then I looked again, and it was like this kind of like old, fat Polish lady. So, but I don't know. You know, could have been. I, Maybe it's some alternate been. reality, Yoko. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, Yoko, her ways are mysterious. Right. She's into, into some spiritual shit, so. Yeah, so, but she had, like, a crazy hat and, like, the the big, like, sunglasses. So, so, yeah. So, I was like, I feel like, <laughs> who knows, man? It could have been. It could have been. Uh, but, yeah. That's, um, that's hilarious. Yeah. Was, this, um, was this one of the infamous micro doses, or was this a proper... Um, macro dose. No, I've been I've been like interested in like micro dosing here and there uh, mm-hmm. every couple of weeks, which has been really cool. This time I kind of like I was trying to micro dose, but I ended up just dosing. <laughs> Straight <laughs> ended up, up dose. being like a dose. Um, <laughs> You're seeing Yoko. Yeah, I'm just seeing. Yoko. If you saw John, that would be that would be an issue. Yeah. You're, then you're in the total spiritual realm, and um, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm working up to it. Yeah, you know, you don't want to rush into the thing. It's like running a marathon. You don't just go run a marathon. You you train for it. Yeah, exactly. You start with, you know, a few mile run and stuff. But I have a story I wanted to tell you. Go for and it. And it's pertinent to this whole um, podcast, especially our guest that we're going to get to, David Persone, in just a second. But I got to tell you this, that I used to, or an, I, I do, I, I sing for kids. And I, sometimes, on occasion, I will do um children's birthday parties and they're like the fucking worst possible gig you can get um but they do pay a lot so anyway i get this email from this lady and she asks me to play she's like i heard great things about your kids music um will you play my daughter's 13th birthday it's a frozen like the the cartoon frozen it's a frozen themed um (laughs) birthday party can you learn uh, all the frozen songs or specifically like the two of them you know the big um whatever let it yeah. go or whatever, and then another one. <clears throat> so I was like, yeah. So to, just to add a, a, a level of uh, a weirdness and complexity to this story, the birthday party was taking place at Juilliard in Manhattan, you know, like the infamous performance school, right? So now it's going to be the first time I'm performing at Juilliard, but I'm going to be playing 
Frozen songs. So whatever. <laughs> they, 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 it's a well-paid gig, and sometimes yeah. you got to do whatever you need to do for money. So I, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's first thing in the morning. It's like 10 a.m. And so um, I learn. I take a week. I learn all the Frozen songs. The night before, I'm like, I'm not going to go out because I had this birthday party in the morning. So I stayed in, and this is when I was living in Ridgewood, Queens. And I lived in this room. It was like 400 bucks, but my roommate had to walk through my room to get to his room. Oh, like one of those railroad. Yeah, exactly. Style. And we, I, I kind of lived in like this uh, weird. It was like where the where the um, vent. Um, what is it called? Um, whatever. And then like it's, it's like a small corridor. It's not even a full size room. But whatever. It was super cheap and in cash, and it was it was all right. You know. And and my roommate and I, we pretty much had the exact opposite hours. He worked early in the morning. I usually worked at night, so we never ran into each other. Um, it was never an issue. So anyway, um, I'm, I stayed in one Friday night and learned all these, going over my Frozen songs and stuff, and I go to bed at a decent hour, and then at like one in the morning, my roommate, I hear him come into the living room, and I hear him, and it's a girl, and I thought it was our other roommate's girlfriend, because they were kind of friends at the time, and uh, anyway, they like, it wasn't, and they walk through my room, and they go into his room, and they start hooking up. Now, this is like the first time and really the only time that this has happened. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I know the routine. I put my podcast in my, you know, earbuds or whatever and go to sleep. Well, after like an hour, they're still like going at it, you know? And I was like, Jesus, man, that's like fucking stop already, you know? And so eventually they do. And so, uh, Joe, my roommate gets up, wakes up, goes to the bathroom, walks through my room, goes to the bathroom, walks back to my room, goes to bed. Then this girl walks through my room, goes to the bathroom, comes back into the room and then starts to get into my bed. And so like, she's naked and I'm sleeping naked. So now there's two naked people in this room. Now I think that I'm going to say, um, girl, you know, I'm not Joe or whatever. And she's going to be really embarrassed and run away. But it was like the opposite of that. She just became more determined to get in my bed. The more I was like, girl, I'm like grabbing her hands. She's like pulling the covers off of me. I'm like, girl, I'm not Joe. I'm like, go through that, walk through another door. And she weird like, I mean, like a long time, like three minutes of us fighting over this. She's like, well, she gets all mad. She's like, what am I supposed to do? Just go home. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you got to do. Just you're not getting in bed with me, you know? Did she not? Did she just not understand that? I don't you think want- she. She didn't understand initially, but then, interesting. Then I'm like, I'm not Joe. Then it turns into like, um, I don't fucking care. I want you to fuck me or something like that. And so she's like jumping on top of me, and I'm like literally pulling her out of my out of my bed and like kicking her out. And it was like, I mean, honestly, it was like a five to six minute ordeal of me kicking this girl, and she's like not understanding that it's like go through the ne- the one more door, and the guy you came home with is in the- anyway. Uh, that was like fucking a long crazy period. And finally, she eventually leaves. Was and she hot? She was hot too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, sometimes I tell people this story and they're like, well, you know, didn't you want to hook up with her? And it's like, absolutely not. She just like hooked up with my roommate for like a, a long time too. <laughs> like, well, I yeah, no- she's, she's all warmed up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And I'm sorry that this is sort of like a frat boy story, but as God is my witness, it is a true story. So anyway, I, finally go to bed. Now this, now it's like, you know, four or five in the morning type of deal. I wake up the next morning, take a shower, put on my little shirt and tie because they're paying me a lot of money to come play Frozen songs at Juilliard. And um, I leave the bathroom and the girl is just sitting at the kitchen sink 
facing the wall, drinking water, just like not looking for, like clearly heard me walk by, but just was like, you know, totally ignored me. And I just grabbed my little amp and my guitar and, and like bolted out. And uh, it was just one of the like, so then cut to like two hours later and I'm playing let it go, let it go. And I'm singing frozen songs for a bunch of 10 year olds. And I'm like, did that, like, I didn't know if it was a dream or not, because it seemed so distant and, and odd and funny. And uh, anyway, uh, I lived at that place for a while. And at one point, my roommate, Joe, he went, um, he went traveling in like South America or something. And uh, they sublet the room to our guest that we have here today, David Persone, and you moved in for a couple months, and uh, and then we we hit off a friendship because you're a, a badass musician. So welcome, welcome, David Persone. Hello, guys. Hi. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me. Not the yeah. naked woman uh, getting no. in my bed. <laughs> oh no, no. Although at the time I would have loved to see a naked woman go into my bed, but uh, yeah, not anymore. It was yeah, it was it was it rough. was it, it seems like a weird situation. I probably would have done. <laughs> it was very bizarre and um, but funny nevertheless. And I initially, because you know the people I'm talking about, I thought it was our other roommate's uh-huh. girlfriend. So like I didn't want to say anything to anybody because I was like I don't know if it's there was like some hanky panky going on between them. <laughs> and then also I didn't necessarily want to bring it up to Joe because that's kind of weird, you know? Like, dude, this girl is trying. So like I just like buried it deep inside and until i got a podcast and then <laughs> tell it to the world <laughs> that is so funny but uh that was like what maybe like two or three years ago yes two and, and a half years ago or something yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's when when i met carl um and which was awesome because um i've always had a problem with rehearsing at home and the fact that you were a musician as well made me oh okay at least at least he he gets it. Yeah, I can rehearse, and he'll be like, "Oh, he's rehearsing." I just, I also have to rehearse, so it's not a problem. Right. I always feel like when I'm rehearsing at home, my roommates are extremely judgmental of what yeah. I'm doing, and it I I can I can see it in my head when I fuck up, when I try to do a, when I do a Sing, note and it yeah. doesn't go well. I can imagine them just nodding Cringing, their head, yeah. and knocking at my door and saying, "Sorry, could you just stop?" <laughs> Oh, Stop. I know. That's the worst. That's the one problem with New York City is yeah. like we're all cr- crammed on top of each other. You don't have like the place to sing. Right. I, I was judgmental of you, though, but just because uh, <laughs> you practiced so much that I was like, it made me feel a little inadequate because oh. you were like you were like running your scales where I'm just like songwriter, like I'm going to write my poems in my room. And you're just like, I'm like, man, I got to fucking practice some more. But we had some great jam sessions Absolutely. that night when we would come in all drunkified and stuff. So, well, let's get to it. Let's play uh, your first song, sure. and then we'll get into a little sure. bit of history and bio. So, okay. David Persone, what's your first song? Can you give us a title? Absolutely. The first song is a song called um, Inconsciencia. Okay. Um, I'm a native from France, but I was raised in Portugal. So this is a Portuguese uh, song that uh, back maybe 10 years ago, I had this rock band, we sang in Portuguese, and this was the first song I wrote entirely by myself, and I sang on it. Okay. So it was my were... first um, touch as a sort of front guy and mm-hmm. singer. And In and the band, that. you were traditionally just guitar player. Guitar player, back vocals. That, okay. was, that was my thing. You're yeah. big into harmonies. Yes. We'll yes, get into that. that but yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So here we go. This is a very dear song um, uh, to me, my first song ever written to myself. It's called Inconsciencia. Mm-hmm. 
Passou o tempo, o momento que vive e que morre Razão que comanda, que age e que foge Tudo o que eu faço, tudo o que eu quero, tudo o que eu sou Sou abismo onde procuras a verdade Sentido onde a razão não te diz nada os pesadelos À noite tu dormes com ele Afinal eu não te conheço Não sou nada com Yeah, you, and, uh, you guys can't see it, um, you know, when you're listening to the podcast, but he actually pulled out uh, a second guitar during that song and he was playing <laughs> both of them at the same time. It was very impressive. A lot of people would just use a loop pedal in that situation, but, uh, you know, he really, he really went the whole nine yards. I got a yeah. question. Could you do, like, maybe a little bit of translating uh, oh, for yes. the lyrics? Not, you, let's not do the whole thing, but I'm just sure. curious. What's the sentiment Absolutely. of the song? Yes, uh, it, um, it's actually, it, it looks like some kind of uh, a romantic song, but it's not at all. It's more of an in existentialist sort of lyric. Uh-huh. It's called Inconsciencia, and it's a dialogue between your conscious, rational, logic um, mindset versus your more intuitive, 
um, impulsive, emotional mm -hmm. uh, way of, of regarding the world. So it's that dialogue within ourselves. Okay. And so the chorus says, after all, I don't know you. I am nothing like you. This is the conscious mind speaking to the unconscious mind. But deep inside, I recognize that you and I are one. Mm -hmm. So that's that's sort of the premise of that song. Oh, great. That's rad. And so you, you were playing this with a band uh, in Portugal? Yes, okay. that's correct. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. What was the sure. what was then? Was that your first band you were in? That was not my first band I was okay. in. That was um, the my second band I was in. Um, we, uh, my, myself, my brother, and uh, at the time uh, a drummer, we were a three-piece. We wanted to do a rock band um, singing and singing in Portuguese because mm -hmm. all the bands in Portugal tend to sing in English, okay. uh, which I, 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 it's fine, uh, but I just thought it would be original to try and do it in, in Portuguese. At the time, um, a big influence of ours was System of a Down. Okay. So we wanted to kind of utilize the harmonies the way they utilized it. The way, there's so much presence with the, the two singers, the guitar mm -hmm. player and Serge Tankian. Um, and we kind of wanted to do that, have a lot of harmony as much as possible. And all this enrobed in a heavy, um, yet friendly rock music. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So and was it all original songs? All original. All original. At the time, yes, yeah. That's cool. And what was the first band then? The first band was uh, when I was uh, in my teenage years, I was very inspired, still am, uh, by a heavy metal and rock band. And all my friends had rock bands and heavy metal bands, uh -huh. and they all tried to sound as Metallica. And we thought that it would be original to do an acoustic, sort of Celtic kind of band. Uh, so the idea of this was every metal band we, we enjoyed... Um, always had these acoustic tunes. Kind of mm -hmm. like Metallica has nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, Maybe one just... of the most popular... Right, it's, Metallica It's interesting songs. about a lot of the... Like, same with, like, uh, not Guns N' Roses isn't specifically metal, but it's, you know... Absolutely. But, like, they're... The, all those bands, a lot of the big song is like their their ballad. Yeah, you know? look, yeah, absolutely. Look at Extreme, for example, like a ha the hair metal band from Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, their biggest song is more than words. Oh, right. You know. Yeah. Oh, uh, and that Mr. Big, yeah, same Eddie thing. Rose has its thorn. Like, yeah, yeah they, I guess that's, that's true. So yeah, like, they, yeah. So it's like it's like they had to have all this uh, loud ass music to like have this one little ballad punch yeah. through that became yeah. like. The radio. Yeah. What that Bon Jovi song? Like, uh, I'm a cowboy. I'm yeah. Steel horse I ride. Yeah. Dude, I fucking love that song. <laughs> I play for keeps. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, th that was the point of your first band was sort of to do to do that. Yeah. Exclusively. Yeah, yeah. And and at the at the end of the day, that was a huge influence in my in my guitar playing. Uh -huh. um, as much as what I do nowadays, because we played only acoustic back in those days. It was a big band. We had like ten pieces: a violin, a cello, a lyric singer. Everyone sang percussion. Mm -hmm. It was very fun, but it was kind of hard to maintain all yeah. of that. Um, and even I was talking to um, uh, the gentleman at the sound booth. Paul. Uh, we were talking about Paul, Paul Blackwell, people. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and we were talking about this band called Dissection. Mm. And you know, one, one of the things that I learned about that I learned to play from that band, and it's like a pretty heavy band. It's a classical piece. So oh, yeah. you, so you know, all these bands have this classical world music influence. That, right. This like that underlying same yeah. of of their music. That's really interesting. Right. right. And so that was a real a real huge influence. Uh, and you had so. you, it was always guitar. 
Yes. You playing? Well, yeah, did yeah, yeah. you? Uh, are you classically trained? Did you get uh, <laughs> lessons or no? Yeah, I'm a self-taught musician. Um, I was fortunate to have a father that was a composer uh, for many years. Many years in Paris, he had a recording studio, and his main client—I'm very proud of this—was <laughs> pornography. He wrote oh, yeah. a lot of music for pornography, <laughs> well, so you know, he was in slap bass you know? or. Uh, yeah, kind of. I, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slaps and and all these things. Yeah, that's crazy. So he had his he had his like a home studio type of deal. No, he had a like it started with that, mm -hmm. and this was in the seventies, right? And uh, then eventually he actually had his own uh, studio, and he recorded a bunch of big bands at the time. Like he recorded the first album of Al Alpha Blondie, which is a reggae band. Okay. Uh, I'm unfamiliar, know. but... Yeah, no, in the reggae world, I guess they're uh -huh. known. And in France, uh, a bunch of bands that now are, are relevant. Mm -hmm. He recorded their beginnings. But mostly his gig was pornography <laughs> and um, movies and soundtracks yeah, yeah. for movies and publicity. Oh, cool. Oh, that's rad. So yeah, it was kind of uh, bestowed upon you from, from birth to play music. Uh, it's a, it's a, a definite influence. The, the cultural capital is there. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, um, was he... Uh, did he play instruments? He was a bass player okay. uh, to start. He started off as a as a bass player in a cabaret called Crazy Horse, which apparently was a really fun time, according to what he tells me. <laughs> yeah, that's how he started. Yeah, <laughs> that's rad. That's awesome, man. So, um, so then, what brings you kind of up to speed now? Like, uh, you quit the band in Portugal. You say, mm. fuck you guys, I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> Gonna have my solo career. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, no, it, it absolutely, uh, well, it just, um, I, I've, I've I focused on my education. Uh -huh. I stopped my band. I moved out of Portugal. I went to France, um, lived there for four years. And um, then I came to New York City. Um, one of the things that made us, unfortunately, break up the band was that we, we our, our drummer was giving us a lot of problems, and we mm. had to sue him by the end. Oh, of the, really? The day. So I, I just in you know, in musician court was it like yeah, it was <laughs> Lemmy's yeah. like the the judge. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. No, I'm sorry, I'm not making light of maybe a situation. Uh, that no, uh, I'm not bitter at all about it. Yeah. It's uh, it's you know we won. So. Yeah. <laughs> what, happened, what happened with that? How, How he took it, we had a song that uh, made some money. And uh, he took all the money and he bought cocaine. With it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking and then he disappeared. <laughs> and we had to go to his parents' house on Christmas Eve and kind of like wait for him and oh, make him wow. sign a document. Oh, wow. Because uh, yeah. you knew he was going to be there. Wow, that's crazy. Well, it's his you bad, get, you know. It's yeah. his problem. I mean, the band was doing good. And, uh -huh. you know, just, what was the song? This, oh, it was just this, like, like we had a, there was a TV show at the time. And uh, we managed to to deliver our album at the time, and there was one song that stood out for them. And they said, oh, this is exactly what we need. And so we had this one song on the TV um, official soundtrack, mm. and we just collected a little bit of royalties out of that. Cool. I mean, it wasn't, Portugal is a small country compared to the United States. Right. So if you land a song on TV, you'll make some nice money, but it's not millions of dollars. Right. Or, or thousands and <laughs> thousands of dollars. Right, yeah, yeah, that like, keep coming in. Yeah. Did, yeah, you, did right. you guys get all that cocaine back? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I would have traded that for weed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good. I mean, the exchange rate, uh, coke to weed, is actually pretty good. Yeah, quantity right. Wise, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but 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 it did it did it made me it made me think that uh, it was as much as I love collaborating and playing with other people, it is a, a little bit of a hassle to rely on other mm. people. And when uh, you have 
even in the practical sense, you have all these mouths to feed and you have right. more gear and mm -hmm. m you need more money in a gig. You need, it's just, it's, um, in terms of resources, it's harder. Yeah. So I decided to go solo, mm -hmm. so to speak, which was a, a real process and it took me some time until I got to a place where I was comfortable enough with my sound and started uh -huh. writing my own songs, which only started happening maybe last two years. Cool. cool. Well, can yeah. we get to the, the latest song yeah. that you have written? Yes, is that it would be a pleasure. All right, excellent. Can you set this one up for us? Sure. So um, when I started writing, um, I, I, I didn't like the lyrics I wrote because I would get caught in my head. Self-conscious about Very them. much so. Um, and so I, I, I started researching a little of the uh, lyrics that I enjoy. For mm -hmm. example, guys like David Bowie. Or um, or uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, where yeah. they had some they had some some kind of I abstract. Like dirt. I like dirt. <laughs> you know, like the song Zephyr's song. Can I get oh, your yeah. leg to ride on? Just a, so this, yeah. just very abstract, uh -huh. and I love that because there's it's rich in imagery. Right. So I started I started writing lyrics based on that, just imagery that would make me feel something. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I want to say this is one of my new. Um, tools for my process is okay. I take the voice recognition on my phone okay. and I speak in Portuguese and it will give me an English thing. Oh, wait, and then it. there's all these interesting things that appear that are oh, so wow. rich in, in imagery. In poetry, yeah. Because like poetry ultimately is like the perversion of grammar. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like what happens if I change it? Yeah, let's yeah. change the uh, whatever, the long vowel or whatever. So that's really, that's an interesting that's really, thing. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you could even do that just, yeah, even if you don't know the language, just translate it to another language and then have it retranslated back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, see where it right. makes, yeah. makes difference. Cool. So that's kind of, how yeah. This so this is how this um, uh, lyric came up, came up. And I just, it, the fun thing about it is I, I discovered the story after I wrote it mm -hmm. more than, oh, I'm, this is the concept. This is I want to write for. a song about this thing. No, I just do that thing and then some kind of emotional journey or sense starts to appear as I'm playing. Well, I mean, it's still very abstract. Uh -huh. You Ooh. can, well, uh, if you ask me what is this song about, I don't, I'm not sure if I know how to tell you, but <laughs> this song is called, um, the last song I wrote, it's sort of a provi uh, provisional uh, title, it's called Catfish, Sirens, and Alien Insects. Here we go. Took all my gold and they take all my land Took all my 
treasures they cut off my hand Took all my knowledge and broke all my books Took all my fortunes, don't know what they took
Thank you, man. That was it. Sorry, yeah, man, I felt go. the need to clap. I don't know that I've ever felt the need to clap after a song, but it, I have this theory that it's like the end. It's how you end the song that makes people want to clap, you know. And it was yeah. just that last strong that made me want to do it. So um, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. That was great. Um, so let's, you, yeah. Uh, so so how long have you been uh, using this uh, loop pedal? Um, I got this uh, loop pedal. Uh, about the time I met Carl, a little before maybe, yeah, so maybe like that, three years. That's become like a, uh, is that, you use that as a, a compositional tool yes. pretty frequently, so that's yeah. kind of your thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's compositional and even performing, I think one of the things that stands out when I'm performing is the, my interaction with it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I like the way they, I think that a lot of, um, I mean, I've seen a lot of people use loop pedals, and I think one of the things that kind of makes it suck sometimes is when people just, uh, build layers and layers upon it, but without changing any sort of dynamic. Like, because mm. you were you were dropping stuff in and out, which I think you have to do to really take yep. advantage of it. Dynamics. A lot, yeah, a lot of people will just like, well, here's layer one, here's <laughs> layer two. I'm about to do layer three, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, you know, yeah. in a little bit, you know, and then like it's just all until or it takes it, them like they fuck it up so that it takes them two more loops to get, to yeah, get it going, yeah. and you're like. All right, guys. Uh, oh, man. I've, <laughs> used, guy. I've used loop pedals a little bit live, and it's just, like, nerve-wracking for me. I can't do it. Yeah, like, it's not I'm it's not for me, man. <laughs> me uh, neither. <laughs> uh, but that's cool. Like, you use it really well. Um, and I mean, you, you use that, uh, that harmony, uh, the harmonizer thing yeah. as well. What, is, what octave is that set at? Um, it's set on a, a higher third. Gotcha. Yeah, it's always. That's my. That's the thing I, I yeah. really love. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in in the fact that like you were originally, as you're saying, a guitar player, or I guess that's you know how you identified yeah, from was. the from the first band, and uh, then it kind of seems like you're using these other tools for uh, creating abstract lyrics. Do you, but it seems like guitar you have kind of down. So do you like maybe like, and my, maybe I'm projecting, but are you do you kind of struggle with lyrics, and then you feel like guitar you just kind of you kind of have type yeah, of thing a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm just to, thinking. When it, yeah, it's the one thing that I never worry. I never. I'm never concerned about. Like sometimes I, sometimes I will play a song that is a little char- challenging on the lyric part, mm-hmm. on the on the singing part. For okay. So I'm like, okay, fuck. Yeah, I you gotta got a belt. Make sure. Yeah, I never do that stuff because yeah. No, <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, but uh, but the guitar, the cool thing about it's it, one of the reasons why I got the loop pedal was because mm-hmm. I like to do solos. Yeah, I like yeah. To improvise. That's kind of what I was getting at. Uh, so that is a wonderful tool for that for mm-hmm. for improvising for a lead guitar player. It's wonderful because I record the two or three or four chords of the song. And then I can just go away, and I don't have to worry about a, the band members saying, oh, right. that extended solo part. <laughs> no, it's not extended. <laughs> As a rhythm guitar player, I see that, and I'm like, well, fuck, I'm out of a job now. Jesus, <laughs> I, can't, I can't play leads. You're obsolete. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, with a real person, it's way more yeah. deep, really, because mm-hmm. I'm somewhat limited. But right. considering that I'm on my own, it's still pretty fucking great. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, the, 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 the I never, um, I'm, when I, when it gets to the guitar solo, um, I usually improvise. Yeah. It's mostly. unique. I have most of the time. some things that are already there, but then there's always a, a measure or so mm-hmm. where I'm just fiddling. I'm just doing. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's very cool. I, I like that. I like that too. My buddy Taylor here, he's like, he doesn't even like the Grateful Dead. He's like, I, nope. I don't <laughs> like don't noodlers. Like I don't like noodling. <laughs> I like, I like, I like noodle. two noodle. <laughs> I like two noodle, but I would never, you know, I, I'm not like, I don't like to listen to noodles. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, let's uh let's get to the uh let's get to the the best song. Okay, the best song. Yeah, right. can so, you set this up for us? Sure. Um, I feel the need to do this piece because it has served me countless times. It's an instrumental piece. So okay. There's no singing in this. And it's um I've used it as a busker while I was studying in New York City, and thank God for that because <laughs> it really got me through a lot. Yeah. Sometimes I'd have two hours for lunch. One hour would be playing in the park and the other one would be like getting a slice of pizza. <laughs> um, uh, I've used it. Uh, I served as a composer for a company called the living theater. I used for that. I composed and other plays using this sort of technique. And uh, so I want to pay okay. tribute to this. Oh, so excellent. Let me just, it's a, I got to retune, retune this real quick. Um, you've retuned. What tuning are we using here? This is a D tune. Okay, open deep. Uh, and what is the name of this song? I call this song Liz, but excellent. Let's hear it. Here we go. Oh, that was yeah. fantastic. I'm so glad you chose that as your best song. Yeah, I honestly, I gotta say, I don't think I've ever seen anyone play the guitar like that. <laughs> you, you can't see it, but he is, he's, he's got it on his lap and he's just, he's hammering on the, uh, the frets just with his, with his fingers to, mm -hmm. for that percussive chimey sound. Just and the, and the body to get that tone. Boom, yeah. Boom. Yep. So he's just, it's just all, 
Um, reminds me a lot of uh, like uh, John Fahey and like, that kind of stuff. You know, the uh, are you familiar with uh, those guys? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, just I mean, really like uh, like 60s, 70s, like open open tuning, finger picking mm. guys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, that was cool. That was really cool, man. What Thank I think you. about it is like um, you said you did it while you were busking, and it just makes me think of because I've been a busker a lot, and it's like you have to be a showman. You know, there's no like, um, oh, am I showing off or anything? It's like, yeah, damn right, you're showing off. Absolutely. It's like that's the whole fucking point yeah, yeah. of do it because on in the street or in the subway or in the park, right. nobody's asking for it. You have to like present this to them in a way that they're going to be like, oh, they didn't even know they wanted to see it. And Absolutely. this is very, uh, it's impressive. It's it cool. true. I don't think anyone in the history of the world has ever been like, man, I wish there was a busker around right now. <laughs> you know what I think it's A dude with a guitar. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, that's not true. That happened. I, I've always I'm, dreamed of, of being a busker. Too. I mean, it's always been a bucket list thing for me. Just, just the idea of, oh, I can go to the street, play my guitar, and make money. Yeah. yeah. Buy some this, pizza. Yeah. And like this self-sufficiency kind of approach to it was very um um I, I i loved it and it was it took me some time to get the guts to do it because mm, yeah. in the beginning you're, you're like you're kind of afraid right you know exactly and, and you, you don't know how to how, how to do it right and if you go out there and you're timid yeah it's nobody it, you're it. you're you're completely silent you yes, know yeah, you I, have to be yeah. the charmer or or whatever or uh doing something nobody's seen right like and and very easily in the in the busking situation, you can come across as a bum begging, right. and you are asking for money based on pity, which is absolutely the wrong thing that the busker has to do. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is to inspire. Ah, you have to. That's, really that's the point. that's the objective, at least when I'm playing. So I'm not a bum. I'm a musician, and mm-hmm. I'm doing my thing. And hopefully, for five seconds or ten seconds while you're passing by, or even for the time you're waiting for the train, mm-hmm. this is gonna make you feel good, or it's right. gonna make you feel. Period. Yeah. And and people see that you're doing whatever your passion is. You're following your passion, and it's like then that inspires them to do theirs, and that's ultimately what what the Absolutely. goal is. Yeah, yeah. It's and funny. The other, the worst panhandler I think is the aggravated panhandler. That's uh, like, can I get two dollars? And it's like, dude. <laughs> You gotta change your act. Like even if it's a if it's fake, I know you need to buy your Heyron or whatever. But mm. like, dude, you can't be ang- the angry panhandler. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't never. And you can't uh, t- take it like that. You can't just assume that people should. Right. You're not entitled to. Yeah. It. If people give, you're you're lucky. Once there was a, one of those Showtime guys, which I enjoy. You mm-hmm. know. And I'm so sorry, man. Maybe I was being a dick, but uh-huh. the guy dropped his hat. Like he was doing his routine yeah. and he kind of failed. So yeah. I didn't give him a buck. And he right. said, oh, well, you you didn't like the and show? Like, and I said, I, you dropped your hat, man. Right. First off, the hat, <laughs> the, yeah. the hat yeah, routine is the, is the fucking most rote <laughs> showtime routine. Like you got to do some cool shit with your hat to get a buck from me. If you're twirling around on the bars and stuff, I'm more yeah. apt to give you a buck. But the hat thing, I man. mean, you have my, my support, my love. Right. But sorry, you got you want to earn the buck? <laughs> yeah. You gotta do it. I don't I don't give those dudes a buck unless they kick someone in the face. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a bloody oh nose. Yeah. Then it's like you didn't try hard enough unless someone like an innocent <laughs> by hand gets hurt a little bit. I've never seen uh, a th- an accident happen. I've seen a couple yeah. like someone someone getting like 
not 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 bad, but like some definitely getting like a little clipped nicked. a little bit. Some people don't know it's coming. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're like they push them to the side, but they still don't realize exactly what <laughs> there's gonna yeah. be feet flying I, all over the place. I, I'm still not like I still love to see the guys that like twirl on the on the bars. Like I'm still not jaded about that. Yeah, me like, I still it's like. I'm still pretty impressed by that shit. Oh, totally. And it, but what's interesting about uh, the the way the laws work in New York is that you cannot busk or or panhandle on the train by by law. You can do it on the platform. So like those guys are technically doing illegal things, or like the mariachi bands that go from car to car. Um, that's illegal on the platform. It is legal. So like what's interesting if you're a busker and you're in the subway a lot, you you see that the the showtime guys are always running from the cops and they always, they always pick the spot. That's like the lot, like underneath a tunnel or something. That's a long route or whatever. So it's funny to see, like you're sitting there playing, like I'm doing the legal thing. And then you're like, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting subculture. Yeah. yeah. But, but Hey, good for them. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that they're doing it and they're dancers and that's a way for them not only to start, but to make a little extra money. And that, you know, it's, it's, I, you, they have, I, I give it, even if they suck, I give it for the fact that they're trying. Yeah. And it's a and it's a physical feat that's impressive, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I love the I love the tune. And then uh what kind of inspires you to put the guitar on your lap and start beating the shit out of it? Sure. <laughs> um a lot of friends of mine had the the drop D thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought it was interesting. And one Christmas I was high, I was smoking pot, and I was really like, "Hey, you know, let me try this drop D thing." Uh-huh. And I started detuning my my D chord and Oh yeah, um, and I started um, dropping down my my E string to a D. Uh-huh. And, oh, it sounds lovely, and I just kind of went by feeling. I detuned all the other ones, and I realized that I had an open major D. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, great. I'm not gonna learn a whole new brand scale and new right <laughs> like chord positions and stuff. So. I play a little bit of drums, mm-hmm. and you know, I practice it. So let's see, what if I just do that? And so I started playing drums on it, and being high as I was, I did this for about two hours <laughs> until I just found little cool things like the harmonics, uh-huh. like this stuff, for example. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, little by little, with the years, I started See that, adding yeah. the little stuff. I mean, it's it's not, it's just a thing I do. And it's good enough for a song. Yeah. yeah. It's not, this is how I always this is play like, the yeah. guitar. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's that, cool, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you're playing your guitar as a percussion instrument, you know, for this one. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it always is a percussion instrument, but in this case, it is more a percussion mm-hmm. instrument yeah. than normally. Um, but yeah, that's that's really cool, man. Um, but yeah, speaking of cool, let's hear something that's the opposite of that. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. The right. worst song. Yeah, let's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you have to retune? May I retune? Yeah, please? let's retune. Okay, here we go. Taylor, you want right. to leave this one in? What's up? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is your worst song. This is my worst song. Yes. Uh, what's it called? It's called uh, Redneck Woman. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> All right, here we go. I can't believe I'm playing this. <laughs> Truck, I want you to see. 
So what, the, what, what is that song about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, when I first wrote it, I had the riff, the begin, beginning riff. I thought uh -huh. it was genius. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, oh, it's so good. That A minor it's part. It's going to be a hit. Yeah. <laughs> when it gets to the G and I do this. I yeah, I thought yeah. it was like super um, kind of hillbilly and uh -huh. southern rockish. So that inspired to this whole like I'm what if I'm like I'm a redneck and I have a I have a pickup truck and I'm I gotta I gotta with, I gotta say with that accent uh, it, it kind of falls flat you know the lyrical content yeah yeah of, yeah 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 like it's hard to it's hard to pull off saying redneck with your uh, oh, Portuguese yeah. French I'm sorry thing. yeah <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's talking about his uh, about Taylor's people. Oh, yeah, you're not I mean, even allowed it, to say that word, dude. That's uh, our word. Uh, <laughs> redneck. We said well, it. you already kicked me out of the country. Oh, okay? that's right. <laughs> uh, that's no, but I mean it as a like not. It's not to be offensive. Right. Oh, no, no. It's but, endearing. Uh, yeah. Term of endearment. You know, but it's kind of you know because it's you know I, I, there's nothing else to it. That's why I picked this song. Right. To be the worst. <laughs> I mean, I like the melody and the yeah. chords. No, and, yeah, and the, it's and got that some melody. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I like the, uh, the the harmonized part. You clearly see the the metal influence, influence that you yeah. were raised on. Yeah. That uh, those uh, those harmonized lead lines. Can you date this song? When did when did you come up with Redneck Woman? Two thousand five. Okay. And when did you come to America? 
2009. Okay. Yes. So this was before I even came here. Before you even... I love America. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now get out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's crazy because... All right. Well, let's just go a little... So you've been in New York since 2009, is that what you said? Yes. And uh, you you worked originally at this little French cafe and now you you perform there. You used to perform there... Like four nights a week or something like that, uh, right? Yeah, I used to do three nights a week. Three nights a week, uh, which which is I, I you know it's it's challenging. Uh, three nights and a you week would do in the same spot. hours. You would do three hours yeah, yeah. or something. It's, right? it's a four hour set. Um, and now I, I, I so I started working at this mm-hmm. uh, little French cafe. I, after studying, I needed money fast, so I got this job as a dishwasher. I went, I started dishwashing, and you know I made a little money. Then they offered me a kitchen position, and that was terrific. It was a little a little bit more money. Uh-huh. But at the end of the of like a bunch of months working there, I was just working full time as a cook, mm-hmm. and I was seeing my whole life going backwards. So I quit. I said, I can't do this anymore. I want to be a musician, and, right? And I'm gonna fucking be a dishwasher. It's really not my passion. I yeah, don't care. No, about, I get it. You know, <laughs> I like to cook for myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> or like a loved one. Yeah, but not in a rush brunch uh-huh. service. I yeah. hate everyone. Right. Like, fuck you and your coffee with the fucking skim milk. Right. Sorry. Sorry, I'm being No, very, the most very degrading very... thing I've ever had to do is like stuffing blue cheese into olives for some fucking millionaire's <laughs> martini. I'm like, what the fuck is my life coming to where I'm like, anyway. I mean, I'm painting the picture as if it was horrible. It wasn't that horrible, right. but it's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, so yeah. I, you know, I very graciously said to my boss that I wanted to leave. And in, so this, here's my three week notice. Mm-hmm. And she's, she knew I played music and she knew I was kind of playing around so she asked me hey why don't you play your music here of course of course all right you start tomorrow four hours (laughs) four hours boom all right let's go boom i did it worked well Uh and then i got an extra night and long story short i would play every sunday night and every monday night at le grain cafe that's le grain cafe little french cafe on in chelsea in 21st street and 9th avenue Cool. And you have another regular gig, right? Yes. Yeah. So the great thing was uh, uh, out of this gig, uh, a very nice gentleman came and heard me play and he enjoyed my set. And uh, it turns out he's the owner of Webster Hall, uh, which is a big nightclub in New York City. And he asked me if I wanted to play there, sort of as uh, doing the same thing I was doing at the cafe. I said, yes, absolutely. I went. I went for a first time. It worked out. The managers enjoyed it. And I've been there since uh, July. That's all. So that's been, so red. Nice, nice, and it's also, also a four-hour set from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. every Saturday night. And is that how your visa works? It, um, is it like an artist visa where yeah, you have to specifically? Is it right. with music or because I know you're an actor too? Is it? Yeah. Is it it's, all? It's of an it, artist or? visa that is sponsored. Um, c- currently, is sponsored by a Shakespeare company. I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and it's also sponsored by the lovely French Cafe that has housed me as a resident musician. Yeah, and then and but that's up in a couple of months, right? That is going to be up in two months. Yes, sir. And then what happens? And then so I, go, I leave. Welcome <laughs> I leave. to Trump's America, everyone. Yeah, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, you know, it, it was seven years of amazing things here. I I love it here. I want to. I would love to stay here forever. Yeah, I won't lie. And it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. There's a part of me that truly grew an American identity. Yeah. Even when I go home, sorry about that. Even when I go home, people say, oh, you have a little American accent. Oh, You're yeah. American? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not. I'm actually from here. Right. Thank you. Um, so it, I am sad, but going through the whole visa stuff mm-hmm. is a process. It's expensive and it's a very 
it's stressful and it's actually um i'm looking forward not to thinking about that yeah. for a bit at least i'd like to go to europe be open to work there and then i'll see what i'll do if i want to reapply or not right how long does a visa last normally like usually the, usually three years three that's years. the the maximum time you can request a visa yeah okay Cool. Cool. We'll go check him out before Trump kicks him out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was really great having you on the podcast. Yeah, thank thanks you for a lot, man, me. for coming. It was It's really good to catch up and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I had a great time. Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for coming out. If you'd like to help our podcast, go and review us on iTunes. It's a very small thing you can do. And if you just give us a rating and more specifically a review, it just gets us into the new and noteworthy podcast. And it would uh, mean a lot to us. It really would. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Peace and love. I love America.